Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Welcome back to the Canadian Investor. I'm Simon Belanger, joined by my co-host Braden Dennis. Um, how's it going, Braden, in uh, social isolation or social distancing or... Am I missing any terms here? Physical distancing. That's the new uh, World Health Organization and Health Canada. Uh, That's the new topic. So, man, I'm good. You know what? I'm good. Week three, I'm just feeling pretty grateful overall. I'm able to work from home, do what I need to get done. Um, My company provides a very valuable service, and I'm still able to do it from home, uh, my position anyways. And, you know, a lot of people are out there, they have to be, they have to be at work, uh, whether it's providing an essential service or just to make ends meet. Um, you know what? Those people, they, they have to do what they have to do. And I, I just feel really grateful. Although I am trapped inside, you know, 24 seven, it's not so bad, man. It really is not so bad. Uh, as they say, it could always be worse. How are you doing? I would say it's kind of the same. I I don't live in an apartment building, so I do have a bit more space and we have a backyard, so it's great for the dog. Um, I am also located right next to a grocery store, so it's kind of nice. I can actually look when it's not too busy, go by, and uh, because they do limit the amount of people in at once. Um, So I don't have to wait in line. I just look outside, and if there's no line, I'll go and grab some stuff if I need anything. But uh, yeah, I definitely grateful same for me i can keep doing my job from home um we're extremely busy so i guess that's a good thing um so i don't think my job will be impacted anytime soon uh but i wanted to say a big thank you to the people that are working those essential services whether it's uh firefighters police officers paramedics doctors nurses uh, people at grocery stores um yeah big thank you because i'm sure it's not easy for them to to go to work every day I hear you. Even my colleagues, I work in power generation, as many of you know, my colleagues I can't think of a more essential service than keeping the lights on uh, and the ones that have to be out there making sure that the plant's operational and we're generating electricity. Uh, They're just my heroes right now, man, honestly. So yeah, I mean, all's good with me. It's been rainy as heck the last couple of days and Toronto, but I find it's actually easier for me because then I'd have to look outside and have that like FOMO of being out in the park and just enjoying, you know, the spring activities. But it's all good, man. It's all good. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things. The first one is withholding tax between TFSAs and RSPs. And this topic is one that still confuses people like Simon and I. (laughs) We look at the chart between all of the different listed ETFs and different listed stocks depending on the country and what account they're in. And yeah, tax is a horribly boring subject, but we'll try to make it a little bit fun for you because this could have slightly big implications in your portfolio. Yeah, so we uh, got that from a listener question. Someone gave us a great review, so we definitely have to 
to talk about it on the podcast. So the first question was um, in terms of the tax-free savings account, um, is it tax-free um, for capital gains on U.S. stocks or is there withholding tax on U.S. stock when there's a capital gain? So the answer is quite simple for that. So there is only a withholding tax for U.S. listed stocks for dividends. Um, if you're investing for example in growth stocks that are u.s listed and then you make a profit you sell it then that is tax-free because it's a tax event in canada so as a rule of thumb uh, in terms of actual stocks uh, you want to hold dividend payers that are canadian companies in your tfsa um, if you want to hold u.s companies that's fine but i would tend to stay more towards companies that are growth oriented for u.s stocks or pay a very small dividend, that way you don't get uh, too much of that withholding tax taken from the U.S. Um, do you have any comments on that, uh, Braden? Yeah, no, I'm just, that's good that you shout out the uh, the review, the five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, this was Colin, he's also one of my Stratosphere Premium uh, members, great guy, and uh, thanks for the shout out. And yeah, I mean, this is a topic we should definitely cover. I think you just said what the main takeaway is, is that U.S. securities and foreign securities have exempt withholding tax on the dividend. That is the, the main, the main part there. So if you hold a stock in your TFSA that is listed outside of Canada, you will trigger 15% withholding tax on the dividend, only the dividend. So your ta- uh, your capital gains, sorry, are going to be tax free in the TFSA. Uh, you say you have a position, it goes up fifty percent. You sell it. You know you're not going to get taxed on that in a TFSA, whether it's listed in Canada or in the U.S. However, if it pays a dividend and say it's a juicy five percent yielder, four percent, you know, bank or energy stock then you're going to get 15% taken right off the top on the dividend there. So it's something to consider. And and the way I look at it is I buy dividend growth stocks and it won't make much of a difference right now because 15% on a small yield in the grand scheme of things, like really not a huge, huge deal. But later, this compounding machine that I'm creating with dividend growth stocks Later, when my yield on cost is very nice, then it'll start making a big difference for me. So I'm thinking long term, just like the rest of my portfolio, and I'm keeping those those securities listed in my RSP. Plus, you can get a nice tax break on your income too. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to invest in U.S. listed stocks, and we'll get into the ETF topic in a little bit. Um, if you want to invest in U.S. listed stock that pay a dividend, then I would definitely, like uh, Braden said, I would keep those in your RSP. That way you really maximize the compounding effect. Where it gets a little more complicated, and we've Braden and I were talking about this before actually starting uh, to record, is ETFs. So ETFs, it gets a bit more complicated. Um, we won't go into too much detail because like we're even a bit confused ourselves. Um, Dude, but- it, it, I, every time I think I get this topic with the ETFs and where they're listed and if they're in Canadian dollars or not, I think I get it and I don't. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So I mean, the one thing I would say that is 
pretty clear is that if you want to invest in uh, US uh, listed stock through an ETF, you're better off buying that ETF listed in the US in an RRSP. So there you will minimize your actual uh, taxes. If you start buying that in your TFSA, even if it's a Canadian listed ETF that invests in US or foreign st uh, stocks, that's where you can get a lot of withholding taxes. And we'll actually put in the show notes, there's a great, like I think it's a six pager from BlackRock um, that gives you a bunch of different situation and the uh, taxes that it can trigger, depending if you have it in a TFSA, RSP, um, RIF, I think they even go through the non-taxable, uh, sorry, the regular taxable accounts, right? Yeah, that black rock, that black rock resource is really nice. Um, and BlackRock's a great company, by the way. Side note, um, and this is a good guide. So if you want to link to that in the show notes, that would be very helpful. And I'm looking at it here, and the spark notes that you need to know are: outside of Canada, pays a dividend. You will trigger withholding tax on the dividend only in an RSP in a TFSA. Uh, sorry, sorry, in a TFSA. And if you own a stock like Alphabet, for instance, the parent company of Google, and you own it in a TFSA, since they don't pay a dividend, no harm, no foul. That's fine. That's that's completely fine. So that's the that's the main uh too long didn't read right there is uh is is what you need to know. So Simon tax boring let's talk about something more exciting yeah exactly and just before we uh, move on to our next subject uh, before you invest in etfs whatever the account i recommend just look in our show notes look at that sheet and you'll have a better idea it has a table with all the different situations so at least you know you won't uh, just listen to brayden and i being slightly confused on the subject you'll actually get the information from a company that's well established and that's pretty much big part of their business ETFs. Um, so now the next subject. So I guess we'll start with uh, the stars group and then we can uh, talk about NFI. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to start off with the stars group. So um, stars group, they're, best known for poker stars uh, so if some of you uh, play online poker you might be familiar with poker stars which is the largest website uh, for online poker there's other ones there's been some throughout the years that uh, closed up shop or were purchased um, poker stars started I think early in the 2000s um, I think it was uh, poker stars and party poker at the time the two biggest uh, and then poker stars really quickly became the biggest one there were some kind of shady business some people might be familiar in 2011 or 2012 about black friday poker stars and full tilt poker doing business in the states when they were not technically supposed to and then being shut down for their u.s business by the uh, district attorney over there um, eventually they came to a settlement poker stars purchased the assets of full tilt poker um, and integrated it through their website and uh, a lot of frozen funds were unlocked for players so i actually had money myself on full tilt poker I had like three grand us it took me i think three four years until i was able to to get access to that money come um, on really oh yeah i'm not i'm not this literally hit you yeah yeah it did no i thought wow, for a while okay. i would never never see that money again. never see that again yeah interesting 
So there's a few things about poker stars. Um, look at their financial statements. You'll see their um, their income has been pretty good. It's been up and down a little bit, but uh, they've been uh, free cash flow positive uh, for a while now. So it does look good from that perspective. I know they've done a bunch of acquisitions in the past years to get more present in online gambling. Um, and the one thing that you have to keep in mind is they actually have a merger agreement where actually they'll be purchased by Flutter Entertainment, which is a UK-based company. Um, if some of you are familiar with Betfair, they're the owner of Betfair. So it's online gambling. So they'll become, I believe, the largest uh, online gambling company worldwide. And they're really eyeing, I know, the US market. Uh, last year, um, it was basically, it went to the Supreme Court uh, to say that it was unconstitutional, that uh, gambling was illegal in the states. So now I think uh, state by state, they're making that legal. So they have a big eye on that market. So just be aware, uh, the merger is actually Flutter Entertainment will be giving one of their share for about 4.5 shares of the Stars Group. And from what I read, it's anticipated that it'll close in Q3 of 2020. And they actually just got a few days ago the green light from the uh, competition body in the UK to go ahead with uh, the acquisition. So just make sure you keep that in mind. Uh, in terms of company and business model, it's hard to not think that they're going to have a bit of a tailwind right now with what's going on with uh, COVID-19. I mean, I do still play online poker. And I've noticed uh, that the volume of players has gone way, way up in the past like two, three weeks. A lot of Europeans are online playing. Uh, the tournaments, the price pools are way bigger than they used to. Um, so it's definitely, it could be a tailwind for them. But then you kind of compensate with people having less money to spend. So I'm not sure if it'll kind of stay like that for a long time. Um, do you have any comments, Brandon? Sorry, I've been going on for a little bit. No, it's good, man. You're just the absolute weapon on the poker table, so I'll, I'll leave it to you. I know that you've uh, you've always been big into poker. I personally love the game. I think it's really fun. Um, I don't. I wouldn't know. I don't think my poker face is very good, but um, I do. I do enjoy the game. I've never played it online, but I could see how that could be fun. And yeah, talk about tailwinds, not even just the COVID thing, just all of the regulations, especially with sports betting loosening up in the States a lot last season. Um, I know me and my buddies just love betting on NFL and stuff like that. It's fun, even though if it's just a couple bucks, get some skin in the game and it's, it's a good time. Have you ever tried DraftKings? I've never tried it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, the, there's definitely better odds than DraftKings in terms of like but it's it's a game it's fun right and, and you get to go up against your buddies and um yeah it's good so there's a lot of fragmentation in online betting so i look at a free cash flow generator like the stars group or the company that's looking to take them over from the uk um and i don't know the sector well but i do know that they have a lot of tailwinds and it is very fragmented. I do know that. There could be a lot of acquisitions happening in the last next couple of years. Uh, with this name included, looks like they might get eaten up and become a part of a bigger conglomerate. But I have a real appreciation in Canada in particular for some really, really good 
acquisition stories that grow free cash flow, take that free cash flow, rinse and repeat with acquisitions. Um, last episode, we talked about a whole bunch of them in the uh, enterprise software space. I look at this the same way as a ton of different, fr- ton of fragmentation and companies like this with deep pockets and large generation of free cash flow being able to take advantage of that. Yeah, and they're a fairly not a small company either. So they're no, market not cap at all. right now. Yeah, it's eight point seven and a half. Billion. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I have, okay. I have eight point three, but it could be uh, they're dual listed on uh, TSX and in the US, mm. and it also went up like eleven percent today. So that could be <laughs> that could be some oh, delayed yeah. data. I think um, I'm looking at the not today included data. Okay, that that's probably it. Um, and in terms of the revenue model, I'm not as familiar with like gambling i know it's all about odds and obviously the house usually will edge your bets but um, in terms of their main or poker stars um in terms of poker they actually they don't really take money from players in terms like you're not playing against poker stars poker stars what they get is actually the rake so every time you play a tournament every time you play a cash game there's a small cost that they charge you for playing so that's how they make their money. So for them, the more volume there is, the more money they will make. And I would have to assume that their cost stays relatively fixed regardless of the amount of players. Maybe they need a bit more customer service uh, reps um, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it is a good business model. The one thing I would say, make sure you do your research. I'm not sure if they'll be delisted altogether from the uh, TSX and the New York Stock Exchange because the uh, Flutter Entertainment is listed in the UK. The other thing is governance has traditionally been a bit of a challenge for those type of companies. So they're not, um, in the past at least, there's been some iffy things that have been done by these, uh, at least uh, the STARS group in terms of their management. So keep that in mind. But I think that kind of provides most of what I have to say on on the STARS group. What a shocker. A casino online gambling company has governance issues. <laughs> Whoa. Shocker that is. So that is uh, ticker TSGI and the company is the STARS group, Inc., most known for their Poker Stars platform. So um, if you want to know more about poker just head up simon man this guy's a this guy's a weapon on the table all right let's talk about the next company nfi the bus electric bus manufacturer out of winnipeg canada ticker nfi and this is a company that i've written about tons i've provided uh, little graphics about on my instagram stratosphere investing uh follow me of course and it's less than a billion in market cap as of today. They have taken a massive hit. Production is completely stopped because of COVID and uh, they cut the dividend. So all of those things are like, wow, this is a horrible story. I actually think this is not a horrible thing for NFI because I believe that they have been gripped by this dividend. As a fast-growing, fairly small company, in a space that's growing really fast, like electric buses getting big contracts from municipalities, they were paying out way too much cash flow to the dividend. Like they were yielding 5% before they cut this. And this was before their stock dropped off 
you know, a massive amount. So they like there was no reason for them to be paying out 80% of earnings for the dividend. As a growth stock, I don't want them to be. And they were increasing the the payouts a lot, which is really nice to see. But it's like you don't need to do that. So I'm just wondering why they were doing that. And then everyone was concerned about their balance sheet. And then <laughs> it feels like six months ago, no one talked about balance sheets except for us. And now everyone's talking about balance sheets. I have group chats with some of my buddies, guys that I've never heard talk about balance sheets are talking about balance sheets. So is this the return of the balance sheet? I think so, because now it's like the first check. How much cash do they have on hand? If they're not producing any buses and how many current liabilities and interest payments, like what do they have to meet in terms of obligations in the next six months? So this is becoming a huge question. I mean, NFI's beaten up a lot right now and for good reason. And it's been getting beat up for a couple of years now. So I think this dividend was a huge, huge problem for them uh, because they're just paying out way too much cash for it when they need to grow and focus on the business. So that's my, that's my take on NFI. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, I was familiar with them. Um, my main thing with them was always the um, the total liabilities. So there's been an increase, especially in the past uh, few years. I'm not quite sure if they did some acquisitions or exactly the reason behind it, but you see their, especially their long-term debt uh, went way up. And if you look at their income statement, uh, they pay quite a bit in interest as well. So that's another issue I have. I mean, I did write an article on the for your blog or for your website recently about the things you need to look at when you want to invest in a business um, during these times, during, uh, you know, when there's a lot of uncertainty. Because they've been and paying really it out to the dividend. Sure that the business has a lot of cash on hand, especially when, you know, production might stop, sales might go to a completely standstill so you have no revenue coming in um, so you want to see until when the company can actually sustain like stay alive basically that's what you want to assess can it actually stay alive if there's almost no revenue coming in um, so I, I mean I don't know with this company I'll be honest I, I really don't know the main thing I, I see that's alarming me is they do not have a lot of cash on the balance sheet that's the first thing and they have a lot of inventory so that's another issue yeah yeah and the inventory is way high I know they had production issues I think in the past year um, some I'm not sure if it was related to the supply chain but um, I know it started before the whole COVID-19 way before I think all of 2019 I remember reading they had some production issues and then you add that with the complete lockdown uh, yeah I mean I would not personally touch it but uh, you know make sure you do your due diligence if you do want to yeah put some money in there probably probably better off playing poker on poker stars of course logically right <laughs> that's what you should do yeah exactly um yeah, no, this, this stock just had, you know, as soon, as soon as things were starting to recover for them in 2018 and 2019, I watched it closely because it always scored so highly on my metrics because the growth was so impressive and the stock was so cheap. So that usually triggers, you know, good math when you're looking at metrics. And 
I never entered the stock and I advise that people, you know, be very careful with it because of the safety of it. For the reasons that I've already mentioned, the sketchy balance sheet, uh, and I think that has all been driven from the dividend payouts that they're just being gripped by. Like, I don't know what the incentive was for them to keep raising it and pay out so much when they're in their growth phase, especially for a clean technology like electric buses that is just getting started. It just seems so bizarre to me. So that's why I always stayed away from it. And thank God. It's like every time I thought, okay, it can't get any cheaper. It got way cheaper. Even before the COVID thing and they stopped, you know, completely stopped production. I thought, holy, this thing can't go any lower. It's so cheap. And then boom, 80% right off the top. So it's just wild to see. And, and sometimes this is just a reminder that things can always get worse. It, it can always get worse and you need to be able to be aware of that. You need to be able to stomach that and know how you're going to react. If it's going to be you absolutely liquidate your entire portfolio, then that's probably not a good reaction. You need to be aware of how you're going to react. So we've talked about this self-awareness thing before. Yeah, yeah, to- totally agree with that. Um, did you have anything else on NFI? I think that kind of covers it uh, for me, at least. Yeah, no, it does. It's uh, it's one that I'll continue to watch because it has it's in the it's in the right space and it has a very uh, good position in the electric bus market between their subsidiaries across North America. So it's not just a Canadian player; it is a big big player south of the border, which is uh, something that I really like and have an appreciation for small cap growth companies out of Canada that have big North American business, not just business in Canada. So I'll keep watching it. I think it could be a turnaround story now that they've been like given the okay to cut the dividend. Because just like these energy companies, cut the dividend now, You know, figure out your finances in the meantime, as oil drops off a cliff per barrel, just like this one not being able to produce buses, figure that stuff out now um, while everything's being reset. You know, it's not like the analysts are going to absolutely crush you because you're cutting dividends right now, because it's almost expected. So NFI should use this time to figure it out. Uh, and, and I'm going to keep watching it because I think it could be a promising turnaround, but it still needs some more time for that to develop. Yeah, that sounds like a good give a, plan. Give a tip of the day. Uh, no, give we didn't really. Day. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it, but we can think about it, and uh, for our next recording this week, we can uh, come up with a good one. Sure thing. Yeah, I think the two of us before we started recording, we're trying to get our head wrapped around boring tax implications. But hey, it's important. Tax implications are important because. When you're investing, the reason we have our own DIY investing account is so that we can gain control of it. When you go bring your money to the bank and say, hey, put it in these crappy mutual funds, not only are the fees total crap, but you lose control entirely. You go hands off. And when I think about tax, these are things you can control. You can't control what's going to happen with the market, but you can strategize how you're going to be efficient with your tax. So it is important and it can be complicated, but uh, once you get it, you kind of understand that US stocks listed 
should be in an RSP if you do not want to pay uh, withholding tax on the dividend. That is the, the, the number one thing you need to remember. Do you have anything else yeah. to add there, Simon? No, I would say for a tip of the day, just look at the withholding tax ref- reference document that will be in the, uh, yeah. the show notes. That's our tip of the day before you invest in an ETF. Look at that tax document so you understand the withholding taxes. That's a good idea. BlackRock uh, provides lots of really cool research, as they should, as a huge, huge asset manager and a very interesting stock that is definitely on my radar right now. They are dominating the ETF game, them in Vanguard. It's kind of a duopoly for the most part uh, in the non-niche ETF world. So I think that ETFs are just getting started as the DIY investing revolution really, really takes off. It's still in its infancy, in my honest opinion, even when there's so much cash going into ETFs right now, I still think it's ground level um, and this company will only benefit from that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. If you guys want access to some really good dividend growth screeners, go to getstockmarket.com. I know Braden recently updated those, so it's worth to have a look. If you haven't done so already, it would be great if you guys could give us a five-star review on the platform of your choice or the platform you're listening to us uh, right now. The reason for that is it helps us uh, reach more people. So when people search for a Canadian investing podcast or an investing podcast, the more reviews we have, um, the more likely they are to find us and the more likely we are to find to reach more Canadians, uh, more international listeners. Hopefully we actually have international listeners that are listening to us. Um, so if you guys have a chance to do that, that would be great. And if you want to add, uh, ask us a question in that review, we'll be more than happy to talk about it on one of our upcoming podcasts. I Like I mentioned it before, we'll try our best to have two a week uh, with everything that's going on with uh, the markets. We might not be super consistent on which day it comes out, but uh, we'll do our best to uh, have two episodes a week, at least for the foreseeable future. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for the next episode later this week. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.